from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Psalms of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, July 24th, the year 2017, the day after the Open Championship, where Jordan Spieth became the 2017 Champion Golfer of the Year. And to recap what was an insane Sunday, we welcome in our buddy, down there in Florida, Mr. Sean Davison. Hello, sir. How's it going, Jeremy? Well, that was just a ho-hum Sunday. A little boring six-shot victory for Mr. Spieth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Another ho-hum major championship with Jordan Spieth in the final group. He wants boring golf. Yeah. 17 pars and a birdie, he said. He would have taken that and, and uh, ran home with the... Um, uh, Claret Jug, unfortunately, that is not the case. Before I, I ask you the first question, um, I just have an advertisement for folks. Uh, Jordan Speed's mom is on Twitter. Uh, it's J-S-E Kiddos. So J-S-E-K-I-D-D-O-S is the handle. And uh, she linked to an Instagram album from 5 a.m. this morning. That is when Jordan's flight got back and the party they had on the Dallas airport tarmac with uh, uh, um, her and Jordan's dad and Ellie and Steven and uh, uh, Jordan's girlfriend Annie and Michael and and the whole gang and family friends and taking drinks out of the claret jug and it's a really cool scene so I encourage everybody out there to uh, go to at JSE kiddos um, and click that top link to the album because it's a really cool uh, insight into the Spieth family celebration because Sean one of the the more interesting things about the end of this championship was here's Matt Kuchar who walks off the green devastating loss sees his family that he had no idea was there and meanwhile Mr. Spieth has got his agent and all his boys but he's got no family members there it was kind of a a uh, really odd scene, and, and Jordan even talked about it after how emotional that was. Um, and, and uh, you know, seeing Kucher emotional and, and, and seeing and him being elated, but then seeing that disappointment. Where do you want to start on this Sunday? It was a very interesting Sunday. Jordan was not comfortable on the front, and then disaster turned him on. No, you're absolutely right. Jordan... You know, you can always tell when a player is nervous when that putting stroke isn't as fluid. Uh, sometimes it results in a push. A lot of times it results in a pull. And I counted two pulls and three holes for Jordan Spieth. Then on the fourth hole, he didn't really hit the putt at all. And the next thing you know, he's made three bogeys and four holes, and he'd made four bogeys the entire week prior. So you could tell at that moment, Jordan Spieth was going to have to gather himself and recollect himself because the wheels were about to fall off. And, you know, it was not a, how can you put it, it was not a sparkling clean round of golf by any means, but in a lot of ways I think George Spieth taught himself something, because when your last experience or your last brush with perhaps winning a major involves a collapse, and you very easily could have done it again, and you end up losing the lead for the first time all week, and then you go birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie. And then you par, but at that point, you don't even need to birdie 18. Um, you know, that says a lot about what you've got inside of you. So even more so than the recognition of winning his third major, even more so than being three-fourths of the way to winning the Grand Slam at the age of 24, um, 
actually 23. He'll be 24 in a couple of days. Uh, you know, I think for Jordan Spieth, the way he operates, just listening to him and having had the chance to talk to him, what means the most to him is the fact that he was able, with his back against the wall, to deliver. And uh, I know after what happened at Augusta, that means even more. It's interesting uh, when we talk about Jordan because um, he's so kind, so courteous, so incredibly, incredibly smart for his age. He turns 24 on Thursday, um, and he says the right thing, does the right thing, merely apologizing to Kucher on 13, something he did not have to do after holding him up for 20 minutes, um, just shows it. But he was honest and blunt in his press conference, and I'm sure you saw it. He knew that those demons were in him. Uh, he knew that people would talk about a collapse if he struggled again. And he got past the hurdle. And I think, you know, the thing to take away from what happened on 13, which we'll get to in a second, but what he did on 14 through 17 shows that when you, um, you know, sh showed us that Jordan Spieth is, is fine. He's okay. We don't have to worry about slumps or disappointments or anything. He's okay. He had a bulky putter. He hit a drive 99 yards offline uh, per golf channel. And he recovered and he went off and went birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie. I think Jordan Spieth's not in a slump. No, not at all. And, you know, as we go further, I'll take a look at a few of the, a few of the stat lines that really intrigue me about Jordan Spieth. And what I'm already going to call the turnaround that we've seen from 2016 where you know, for speed standards to win twice, um, and he also won in Australia in 2016, is in a way a disappointment when you come off a year when you win two majors and you nearly win the other two. Um, you know, the ball striking, without going too deep into it, was a big letdown last year for him. And to see him especially down the stretch, after hitting that drive 99 yards offline, to nearly make a hole-in-one on 14 and to hit any number of great shots, with irons in his hand. Tony Miller even said it himself. He has become so good and has such great feel with his irons. He knows the split second that ball comes off the club thing. Whether it's too long, whether it needs to go, whether it needs to draw a yard, fade a yard, I mean, it speaks to what you talk about, his intelligence and just where he is right now. And I think not only is he not in a slump anymore, we can't say he's slumping, we might be on alert because this is a guy that, you know, with a major and a few other big tournaments, the FedEx Cup, the President's Cup down the stretch, really could get going here. And if he gets going, the next thing you know, we're talking about, my goodness, he's the number one player in the world and he looks unstoppable, which is right where we were in 2015. Well, I was going to get to that at the end, but let's get to that now. He's got to be the leading candidate now for player of the year, right? I know Dustin has three wins, but Jordan is has now three wins in a major. Um, I don't see anybody else that realistically um, matches up with that because Dustin's you know, win doesn't have a major. Um, and I would think it would take... So, I, I, I do wonder if Dustin wins the PGA, I, I think you can make a case that he's the player of the year. I think, I think other than him, it would take somebody to win... The PGA Tour, I uh, saw the PGA Championship, and then another playoff win or multiple playoff wins to Trump Jordan as Player of the Year. Right, you need somebody to make a horse or run through the playoffs and win the PGA as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
we're talking to Sean Davison about everything we saw yesterday at the Open Championship at Brookdale. Um, I hope everybody watched live from on Golf Channel last night because Todd Lewis and David Rickman, uh, who is the head of rules for the RNA, did a really fascinating and easy to understand explanation of how Jordan Spieth was able to take the unplayable, drop where he did on the range, and recover. But Jeff Shackelford pointed this out um, on Golf Week and on and 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 on Shackhouse uh, podcast to have the mental clarity and wherewithal to realize that his point between him and the hole, going back as far as he wanted to on that line, would be the middle of the equipment trailers, and thus if the range was in bounds, he could drop there. Uh, how in, in that moment, because both of us have played golf, both of us have gotten very frustrated on a golf course, you don't think straight. For him to think straight in that moment after hitting it 99 yards offline astounds me. And to know that Michael Greller couldn't stand where he was <laughs> in the hill when he, yes. he stood over the ball. Yes. I mean, Jordan is just, I, I honestly, in terms of golf, and maybe in life too, you know, I kind of want to be Jordan's beef when I grow up, and he's <laughs> younger than me. And that's just the best way I can put it. I mean, he is, you know, I think about this a lot, and I was thinking about this. I drove up to Tallahassee today, so I had four hours to think about what I watched and where we are in the game. And I think we're in a great place in the game with a lot of youngsters making their way out there. But, you know, I, I remember every time Tiger got hurt, and again, this was when he was playing well and he was going through knee surgery, one, two, three, four. Everybody looked at Phil Mickelson as the, the torchbearer. And, you know, earlier this year, you would have thought Dustin Johnson, but, you know, you win three majors in three years. You could have won another Masters. You still won twice more. You won in Australia. I, I mean, for me right now, and again, we could be, and I think a lot of people would agree, that we're toward the end of the Tiger Woods era. We'll see him come back out and give it another go. What we're going to see when he does and when he does remains to be seen. But, I mean, in terms of finding a torchbearer and somebody – who's going to be a consistent force out there. I, I feel like we've found that now in Jordan Spieth. He's, he's won the Crown Jewel event at Augusta. He's won what's supposed to be, and you know, maybe not at Aaron Hills this year, golf's toughest test at the U.S. Open. And now he's proved that his game travels, and he's won overseas in the wind at the Open Championship. So he's proved that his game travels. He's proved that his game is well-polished in all aspects. He's proven many times now with his back against the wall that he can deliver, and he just seems to be the guy, especially at his young age, that I don't want to say he's the next Tiger because he's Jordan Spieth, and you know what? Jordan Spieth is pretty darn good enough. Um, but he seems to be the next guy that I feel will be the torchbearer for years to come in American golf and perhaps in the world of golf in general. Yeah. Um, uh, for those out there who are in the golf world, you may know this for, for, for some of you, you, uh, you may not. The, the, the folks at Golf Channel send out quotes from the telecast to uh, media members, and they also post them publicly online on, online on NBC uh, Sports Group Pressbox.com. I'm going to read you a couple of them from yesterday. Your buddy Dan Hicks, we've seen every kind of emotion from Jordan you could probably ask for in this round. Johnny, the greatest, um, the the greatest. I have the wrong line. The, uh, the greatest finish I have seen in championship golf. Um, Dan, speaking of revving it up, he went from zero to one hundred in a couple holes. Johnny Spieth just has this magic uh, championship ability that not many guys have. It's a very rare thing. Um, 
And, and Mike Tirico, if you take anything away from today, it's poise and determination. Jordan Spieth had all of that and then some to come back and win the Open. You said you had some numbers in front of you. What stands out from all this? So looking back to last year, Jordan Spieth was T145 in greens and regulation. And for those that watch the PGA Tour week in and week out, you take away your sponsor's exemptions, you take away you know, any Monday qualifiers, for guys who play week in and week out on the PGA Tour, it's hard to be a whole lot worse than T-155 yeah. in greens and regulation. He's T-87 in strokes gained approaching the green. But again, you know, last year a lot of people thought the putter was holding him back. He was second in strokes gained putting. But you look at that T-145 in greens and regs, you look at T-87 in strokes gained approaching the green, he was making putts, but they were for scores he didn't necessarily want. This year, the putting stats have gone down a little bit. We've seen that, you know, the putter was bulky early. But being P37 in strokes game putting after the Open, that's not bad at all. You know, that's, that's respectable. But here's the staggering change. From P145 in greens regulation last season, second in 2017. From T87 in strokes game approaching the green last year to first in that category this year. He has, you know, there's no words for that kind of turnaround. You know, he mentioned back in Kapalua and in Hawaii, I believe it was, that he said that, you know, a lot of the emphasis over the offseason was working on his ball striking with Cameron McCormick. And whatever he did, whatever they, how many, however many hours he put in, whatever he discovered, it's working. And it's working big time. And if there were a clutch putting category, he would lead it by a mile. Every putt that mattered down the stretch, he made. I mean, he's just been, especially lately, phenomenal. He can't hit fairways. That would be, I guess, the one hiccup, the one fault that you could find in his game right now. He struggles hitting fairways. But when you're still second in greens and regulation and first in stroke scan approaching the green, I think you can cut your losses there. And with those kind of stat lines and with him putting, especially the way he did down the stretch, I mean, for me, although this is very unimaginative, he has to be your favorite. At, uh, I almost said Wells Fargo, as the PGA in Quail Hollow. I mean, two weeks from now, I'd like to see, I'd like to think that he'll be on fine form in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, this is a guy that, again, just staggering turnaround in that particular area of the game. And, uh, yeah, his assessment was right on. That's where he needs to improve. And, by golly, he sure has. Talking to Sean Davison about the Open Championship. I feel awful for Matt Kuchar. Here's somebody he didn't make a lot of putts early. He had opportunities that he'll probably look back on. But in the end, he got steamrolled um, when he had the lead. And he really, you know, you can fault him for missing the putts. Um, but in the end, uh, he got beat by a better man uh, that day uh, who went from 0 to 100 and, and found a gear that nobody really thought Jordan Spieth had this week. I, I, I don't know how... You bounce back from that. He was as upset as I have ever seen Matt Kuchar in that press conference. And, it, and it, you know, you hate to say it, but you see a guy like Matt Kuchar who's gone the entirety of his career without winning a major, and it almost felt like Kenny Perry at the Masters, you know? Everything seemed to be going in his direction, you know? The, the momentum seemed to be shifting in Kuchar's direction. And, I mean, you have to give him all the credit in the world. The bogey on 18 aside... You know, he ends up with a one-shot lead on 14-T, and he birdies 15. And he plays two under golf, and then pushing the issue on 18, which you have to do when you're trailing by two 
he pushed himself into a five. Um, so in my mind, the way Max Future plays golf, if he's playing with the lead at that point, <laughs> he pars 18, and you know, nine times out of ten. Um, so you know, you talk about, and there's been plenty of times that a guy will go into a Sunday, maybe not in a major championship, shoot 67, and they still lose. And you say, wow, that's unfortunate. And for me, it's much the same way. He had the lead with five holes to play. He played two under golf. And then on the 18th tee, he was trailing by two. You just can't beat that. And I feel like, you know, that's part of the heart-wrenching thing. He did just about everything right. And some of those putts he missed were really good putts. You know, he had them online, maybe a little bit too much speed. It wasn't like he wasn't getting them to the hole. Or, or you know, there wasn't anything ghastly about it. And uh, he matched speed shot for shot the entire day and really did well for himself. And really, you know, there's a lot of people who like Matt Future, and there's going to be a whole lot more. As classy as Spieth was, and victory he was in defeat. And, you know, as you mentioned, he didn't know his wife and kids had flown over overnight, and they were there at the 18th green after he pretty much had his heart ripped out, and that just made it even worse to watch in that regard. But, you know, he's a guy that we, we haven't really seen a whole lot on major championship leaderboards, and seeing him there, and I don't want to say for the first time, but seeing him there for the first time really in a while, being a big part of the picture on Championship Sunday, and seeing him play that well, especially at this stage in his career, was great to see. Uh, talking to Sean Davison about the Open Championship, um, you know, now the way this calendar works with the... Um, with the FedEx Cup, you, you go from a major, a week off for a lot of these guys, except for guys like Jason Day, who have the contract with RBC, um, into a World Golf Championship next week at Bridgestone, and then into the PGA Championship. Um, we've seen major champions this year. I mean, Brooks Kepka contended for a bit over the weekend at uh, Brookdale. But we've seen these guys have some struggles um, come the weekend and, and, and come the, the next major. And obviously, you know, guys like Jason Day have had problems contending. Rory's had problems contending. Dustin's had problems contending after he fell down the stairs. Jordan is different in that I'd, I'd argue he's the most consistent player of this group. Um... Do you think Jordan contends, contends at the PGA? Because obviously people are going to look at Quail Hollow and instantly say Rory and for all the right reasons. Um, but do you think we see Jordan contend at the PGA? Because this is a really short turnaround after expending a lot of emotion and energy. If there's anybody that I would expect to perform well in the position that Jordan's in right now, it would be Jordan and Jordan alone. Um, you know, again, we, we've talked about just the mental maturity, the confidence, the intelligence, the classiness, I, the down-to-earth nature of Jordan Speed. You know, I, I'm sure he'll spend some time with his family, take a deep breath, get back to work with Cameron McCormick, work out, you know, maybe try to figure out how he's going get to get off the tee a little bit better and find a few more fairways. And, you know, when it comes time, he'll be locked in and ready to go in Charlotte. It's a beautiful golf course, a golf course that for years and years and years, players have come off that golf course after playing at the Wells Fargo and have said, this is a major championship track, and now it's finally got its first chance. And Charlotte, by the way, is an amazing city, too. Um, but I think everything, you know, again, you, you make a good point about the fact that he could be low on energy, but I think at this time, 
You know, I feel like Jordan Spieth is enough of a pro to do that. And, you know, to be honest, he was coming off of an emotional high at the U.S. Open in 2015 and still played well at the Open Championship. And he won the deer. At the Open Championship, where he nearly found his way into a playoff. He won the John Deere, you know, in his first start back. Everybody said, you know, wow, what a, you know, what a roller coaster there after birdieing 16, bogeying 17, birdieing 18, Dustin missed the putt. He came back, um, you know, a couple weeks later and won the John Deere to put himself in that position to go over uh, to St. Andrews as a champion. Yeah, and he did that, and, you know, everybody bogeyed the road hole. It felt like, and he bogeyed the road hole, and, and you know, just hit a bad tee shot. Made the snake through the valley of sin on eighteen. Uh, you know, and he came off of that, and you know, sort of like Stenson uh, and Mickelson at the Open Championship last year. People would have won that PGA had Jason Day not been in the field, but Jason Day played out of his mind, and Jason Day happened to beat him. So I mean, all those quick turnarounds in twenty fifteen proved to me that Jordan Spieth is capable of handling a turnaround like this. And I think something that's cool that was mentioned by both Mike Tirico and Dan Hicks on the air is that now we have, for three consecutive majors, somebody trying to complete the career grand slam. We'll see it with Spieth at the PGA, we'll see it with McElroy at the Masters, and then we'll see it with Phil at Shinnecock in the U.S. Open. So this really is an exciting time for golf, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Spieth handles the little bit of added pressure and added expectation and see if he can ride the wave of momentum that he's carrying throughout the summer here. Unless Phil withdraws from from the U.S. Open for another kid's speech, um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, some some other people here because there were other participants um, in this event besides the two uh, guys who battle at the end. Um, let's start with Rory because all the attention is going to be on him come uh, Quail Hollow. Remember, the front nine has been tweaked at Quail Hollow. Nobody's quite seen that front nine yet. Um, He's played it. Some other guys have played practice rounds there, but it it, it has not been done. This new front nine has not been played in a tournament. Did you see enough out of him where you would trust him come um, uh, two and a half weeks from now? That's a great question to which I don't really have a great answer. You know, even looking at the Open Championship, it was kind of like a microcosm of his entire season. Dr. Rory and Mr. McElroy. You know, he got off to that horrific start. He got back to one over par by the day's end, and he ended up working his way into contention, and we saw flashes of vintage Rory throughout the Open Championship, although he couldn't string it together and get into the clubhouse at a low enough score to really make the leader's eyes open a little bit wider. Um, you know, and not to take anything away from Jordan Spieth, but, you know, if somebody gets in at minus eight or minus nine while you're still struggling, you know, there's no telling what would have happened. Um, but, you know, a little mistake here and there over the weekend cost Rory in that regard. Um, aside from that, he got his first PGA Tour win at Quail Hollow. And, uh, you know, the, the vibes are going to be good there. He was at a playoff at Quail Hollow again, so he plays that course well. Um, there's definitely some sort of affinity there between McElroy and Quail Hollow. I think, for me, it will depend on what I see out of him in the weeks before. And not that that's even going to be a sign of anything, because he missed quite a few cuts coming into the Open Championship and ended up finishing on the leaderboard. So, you know, it's hard to tell what Rory is going to show up. And if the Rory that shows up in Quail Hollow is going to be the same Rory when the tournament ends. 
in a lot of ways, I almost feel like Rory McIlroy is like a right-handed Phil Mickelson. Some of the misses <laughs> aren't as drastic, and I feel like his mind doesn't slip the same way Phil has in contention like at you know, the U.S. Open in 06. But in a lot of ways, you never know what you're going to get with Rory, and you still don't know what you're going to get with Phil. So it's quite, you know, it's an amusing comparison, but at the same time, it's not necessarily off-base either. I'm not sure what to expect out of him. Sergio Garcia is getting married on Saturday. Does that eliminate him for the PGA? It could. I've seen guys come off of the birth of children and marriages and whatnot and play great. I've seen guys who have had all of that take place. Um, and also I've seen guys, being in the Orlando area, I've known a few of them, that something even so much as building a house, you know, that'll take a lot out of you. It takes a lot of your focus away. There's something else in the back of your mind. And it weighs heavily in a negative way on them. So, you know, it depends on how Sergio's hardwired. It depends on where he is. He will be in a good place, at least in his life, going into Quail Hollow, and the optimist in me says he will ride that wave of momentum of winning the Masters, of getting married, being in this great place, both in the game and also in his life, and play great out of the PGA. He's played well in the PGA at different venues years prior. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to deny the fact that after the Masters, he really hasn't played all that spectacularly. So, you know, the recent trend on the golf course would indicate that he might not play all that great, but you never know. Getting married might, you know, raise his spirits even more, and he plays inspired golf. Speaking of guys who did not play inspired golf, that would be John Rahm. How shocked. I, I was stunned. He, I thought, was playing the best golf of anybody entering um, and just came out atrociously. You know, while I'm making comparisons, for me, John Rahm reminds me a lot of 2014 Jordan Spieth, getting in contention quite a bit, um, playing well week in and week out. And, you know, for Spieth, it was he would get in contention in majors, and, you know, the wheels would start to fall off a little bit, like when he played in the final group with Bubba at Augusta. And you could tell emotionally he was wearing himself out and wearing himself thin. And I feel like John Rahm is going to have to figure that out. You know, in major championships, he's not even able to really get into contention. I feel like he's wasting a lot of emotional energy. I'm no, you know, I'm no expert on that. But I feel like if you're constantly running, you know, on full with, you know, you know, you're overflowing with emotion, whether it be good or bad. You know, he did a nice job of settling himself in at the Irish Open, but you know, he's got to find that more flat line. Jordan Spieth has done a good job of laughing things off and just sort of talking things through and really thinking through the process. And he's young, and so is John Rom. And I feel like in time, John Rom will do that too. You know, this is his first year really out there on tour and playing in Europe as well and playing in all the majors. And, you know, give him time, and I think he'll settle in and he'll figure out what works for him, especially in big tournaments when you go into them knowing you're playing well and knowing that you can win, and knowing that there's a lot on the line, and knowing what it could do for your career. And I think the more and more he gets into these tournaments, and the more and more he plays in them, the more and more he'll figure out what works for him, and the better he will play. Um, Brandon Gray shoots 62 in a major. Uh, Johnny was complimentary, which is good to see, obviously, as Johnny no longer holds the record for best round in a major, um, along with, with many other guys. He seems overdue. I know that he hasn't put you know put it together on a Sunday yet, but he really seems over. Um, he he seems overdue. He's been a fine player for 
quite a while. You know, and it's only a matter of time before he really does break out. He contended with Jordan Spieth and with Dustin Johnson down the stretch at the U.S. Open in 2015, and he's put himself back on the leaderboard at the Open Championship. You know, it's hard to follow up a low round, much less a record-breaking round in a major championship, especially on Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, Brandon Grace, I, I truly believe, without disrespecting Louis Ustazen, who's played great in majors and is a wonderful player in his own respect. But in terms of up and coming, I can see Brandon Grace winning a few majors and between he and Louis Ustazen especially becoming the next great South African golfers that we look at moving forward. But he's got a he's got great game. He played absolutely beautifully on Saturday, putted out of his mind. And just like Johnny said, you know, it, it was about time. We were trending that way. We've seen guys shoot 59 on tour more regularly. We've seen somebody shoot 58 now. That 62 was coming. And, you know, sometimes you sort of wish that, you know, it's sort of like the epic, you know, with Tiger Woods. It would have been great if Tiger Woods would have made that putt at the PGA, and it would have been Tiger who broke the record. But, you know what, Brandon Grace is a great player and takes nothing away from the round that he played and the way that he played around Royal Burkdale. He deserves it, and now he's in the record books. That he is. Um, anything else you want to say about the Open Championship? I think we've covered just about everything. I, you know, I cannot say enough how impressed I've been with Jordan Spieth. And this isn't just the Open Championship. I remember vividly when I was going to a few of the tournaments and, and writing at a few of them. I was in Tampa in 2015. At that point, he'd only won once, and that was at the John Deere. And at the time, you know, I was at Doral the week before, and he was talking about how he felt like he was close, even if statistically he wasn't quite there yet. And he wasn't quite there yet at that point in time. He was struggling a little bit. He was finishing T30, T40, T24, and it just wasn't quite coming together. He said he was close. And watching him just sort of literally get up and down from everywhere, you could put a garbage can 30 yards away from a green at Innisbrook that day, and he would have found a way to get up and down from inside of the darn thing. And just seeing him grind out and beat Patrick Reed and Sean O'Hare in that playoff, I thought, wow, you know, he was right. He knew exactly where he was, and he could have a, a good year. Little did I know, he was going to win the Masters and the U.S. Open and contend to win the Open Championship and contend to win the PGA, win the FedEx Cup, and, you know, he's been a, a stalwart on the international teams as well. But you think about that. I'm 24 years old. He's 23. I've got a master's degree. He's got a master's title. And he's got a U.S. Open title and an Open Championship title. And if he were to win the PGA, I, th there's just no telling where that career is going to go without putting any unreal expectations on him. And in the words of Jack Nicklaus, how unreal is he? I mean, Jordan Spieth is somebody that American fans and fans of golf in general are going to enjoy and embrace for a long time because he's going to be out there and winning for quite a long time, and we're all fortunate because of it. Remember, too, Tampa was the week, uh, sorry, Doral was the week, 2015, where Jordan sat Michael down and said, basically, this is what I need for you. You know, come on, take the next step. And obviously, you know, next week in Tampa, everything happens and away they go. Final thing, <coughs> excuse me, Sean. Uh, you've been around this NBC crew a lot. Johnny uh, has said recently that uh, next year is going to be his last. You think these crazy finishes might get him to rethink that? He seems pretty determined to step aside, but I guess 
if there's anything that could keep him around, it's crazy finishes, and golf keeps delivering that for him. Crazy finishes and young, exciting players, whether it's John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, who, by the way, I like Ricky Fowler at the PGA. He's played well at Quail Hollow. It's a course for him, yeah. well majors. Um, so I, I really do like Ricky Fowler's chances at the PGA. Just early call there. Got his first win there when he had the long hair and uh, yep. was the flat cap. Oh yeah, yeah. The other, it's it, it, it's like he's a whole different person now. You know, he's got a girlfriend. He's 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 more polished and everything. That's like a whole different Ricky Fowler. Sean Davison, thanks as always for coming on teeing it up. Yep, and, and to answer your question real quickly too, Johnny has been nothing but great to me for the last seven eight years that I've known him. And, you know, I would love to see him continue on for 20 years. But I know that inevitably he's going to have to hang it up and call it a career. And it'll be a great career when he does. And, you know, I wish him all the best, whether it's next year, 2019, or 2020. Been doing this for 28 years now in the NBC booth. Sean, thanks so much. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you back here next week on Teeing It Up.